welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Um, trepidatious, I guess. Oh, my. Um, because we were supposed to have a guest today. Yeah. And said guest failed to show up. Yeah. So we came up with the topic kind of on the fly, and I don't really have a lot. <laughs> I have a lot to say about the thing that spurred, spurred the topic. Spurred? Yeah. Gave birth to the topic. Yeah. But beyond that, on that, we'll see how it goes. I guess. Yeah. Um, this might be kind of a freewheeling uh, thing because I had a lot prepared for the discussion with the potential guest. I'm glad you did because I didn't. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's I, I was also content to kind of let him let him uh, take the reins right. a little bit. Hey, here's a fun game. We will give you ten dollars in Battleship Pretension bucks if you can guess who the guest was. It will no. never. Yeah, happen. we should give. We, we can offer ten thousand dollars. I know. You're not going to guess who this guest was. I know. Um, so uh, other than that, I'm um, I'm doing well. I think um, now. Obviously, the listeners can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the problems I was having last week, my voice mm-hmm. have corrected themselves. I'm actually I'm actually quite happy with where my voice is today. Oh, okay. Do you uh, know what? Are you? Uh, I forget. Were you fighting something last last week? No. I. It's almost. This is going to sound stupid, but I almost felt like too healthy in terms of my vo- like it's great to feel healthy. Yeah. But when I am like well rested and I haven't had a drink or a cigarette in a few days, uh it yeah, in most aspects of my life is great, you know. I yeah. feel like there's a pep in my step and all that, but I do I don't like the way my, way my voice sounds when I'm too healthy. Well, you want to you want like a husk to yeah. your voice. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um Speaking of voices, here's something that I think uh, would be something that it would be of interest to you, and I won't spend a lot of time talking about it. But uh, so I went to the uh, Los Angeles Podcast Festival this last weekend, and uh, at the after party, they had uh, there was an after party. There was uh, with karaoke with a live band, live band karaoke. Yeah, and uh, everyone in the band was named Corey. Try to guess what the band's name was. The Corys? No, karaoke. (laughs) <laughs> how did you not get that you love puns i know yeah i like a good uh portmanteau what that's what it is right when it starts out as one word and ends as another word oh okay. that's a portmanteau right no, I, I have no idea see this is, what, this is what i'm talking about you should have gotten that if you know that All right. but that's fine uh so uh of course it uh graham Friend of the show, Graham Elwood, kicked it off with, uh, you know, Dead or Alive, uh, Wanted Dead or Alive, the mm-hmm. Bon Jovi song, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, of course, that happened. But everyone just, like, really nailed it, and I just thought, yeah, what the hell? So I uh, went and signed up. No, they did not have The Gambler by Kenny Rogers, which is unfortunate. But they uh-huh. had a good, what is often a good standby for me, which is yeah. uh, Warren Zevon's Werewolves of London. Really? Which seems strangely appropriate, given the, uh, yes, the topic Yes, but also, today. strange, I, I can picture you doing The Gambler damn right you can uh i i i wish i would there were a video of you doing werewolves of london because i can't really picture it there is do a you fo- howl? there is a photo i do uh-huh i can't go i can't go remarkably oh, high with my it's, howl, it's karaoke or karaoke yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah a listener actually did take a photo of me singing but that's not the same as video and uh it was rough like it took me it took me probably the first verse to kind of get my legs a little bit mm-hmm. because i'm used to the song itself this was kind of a more rocking version of it that was live. Right. And so I kind of, I had to kind of get the pace a little bit. And you have to know the lyrics then. There's not a... They had something in front of me. They okay. had a screen in front of me. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And, and so I, uh, yeah, oh. Huh. 
that must be what it is. The other thing was I didn't recognize that first verse. Okay. It said in the first verse, it said Corey Haim. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, I'm only, a familiar, I'm only familiar with the song as a function of it being in Rock Band, the game. Okay. All right. Now, it is entirely possible that they took that verse out of the game because of Corey Haim's sad death. Huh. It did not occur to me until just now because I was like, I don't know this. Like, if you were listening to me singing, you would have heard a question mark when I said Corey Haim. I was like, Corey Haim? And so um, – but yeah, so I, but at the same time, it's just huh. like, well, I don't think they like changed the lyrics specifically for, for, you know, <laughs> karaoke. for karaoke, although maybe, you know, maybe they're, they want to incorporate it as much as possible. <laughs> and so they, they worked in Corey Haim, but I don't remember. Other famous Corey's showing up <laughs> in songs. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I struggled a little bit on that first verse and then I, then I freaking nailed it. And I'll tell you what, uh, it's been a while since I've been like on stage in any capacity and I went up expecting to be like, okay, I'll just sing this and it'll be fine. And then, uh, you know, you got 200 people looking at you and uh, you are in a bit of a risky position because I am not much of a uh, singer. Uh, and uh, boy, the old adrenaline got flowing and I uh, got surprisingly into it. All right. So I wish not that I wish I had, I had gone to. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I, I find it very fun to try and put a pin on your musical tastes. Slow down. Hang on. I do enjoy that song. Oh, no, that's is, a great song. This is not a function of taste. This is a function of what am I able to sing. Well, look, if anyone thought for a second that I was trying to say that Where Was Alone by Warren Zevon uh, is not a good song. Okay. Um, then then I, I, let, me, let, me, let me correct that. Yeah. That's a great song. Warren Zevon was awesome. Yeah. Um, but you didn't expect me to like it? Well, I, no, I was more just going back to you not knowing who sang Wanted Dead or Alive. Because it reminds me, during our fall preview, you were unfamiliar with the rock, the famed punk rock club CBGB in, yeah, no, yeah. in New York. So it's like, you're uh, obviously not knowing the Bon Jovi thing. That's a, that, that gives you cool points. Does it? <laughs> I mean, okay. I like Bon Jovi. I know, about, but I know like, that song as a function of Deadliest Catch, and that's it. Okay. Um, so obviously, it's cool that you don't know the Bon Jovi thing, but I mean, I to be honest, not knowing the CBGB thing takes you back, like you know, back. So you're in so, like a, you're in a little pocket there, where, uh, but then again, you know stuff that is really cool that you've introduced me to that is really under the radar, like um, like what Charlie Musselwhite and John Hammond, especially. Oh, damn uh, right, yeah. Which I still don't know that I ever would have come across that John Hammond stuff without without you. Um, uh, so it, it's you've got a very specific taste. Yeah, Jen made reference to a John Mayer song the other day, and I was like, "I is that a? I'm sorry." <laughs> well, he, uh, do, he does. It's like, it's like he does. He does a song called Wonderland. Is that him? Your body's a Wonderland. That's yes. Which I couldn't sing. Uh, I know you, that part of it. I don't even remember how the chorus. Oh, the one that I could actually like hum is "Waiting on the World to Change." Do you know that one? I'm not going to sing it. But that's the only like John Mayer song that I think I could actually put together. I I, I, t- I try to because I have this horrible paralyzing fear of getting old and out of touch. That is maybe something I should be working on. Um, so I will often know the names of like 
you know, the you know the things like John Mayer even going into like One Direction or stuff. I know I know the names of those groups and the names of their songs, mm-hmm. but I don't actually go so far as to listen to the songs. Yeah, it's I, and that's the thing is part of me is like. I don't need to know any John Mayer, you know, I, and that's not to crap on anybody that may enjoy him, um, but I probably won't. What little I know of his uh, of his career, I don't respond to. And so just like with, with certain things like with music, I wish I knew more. And, you know, I've always envied your uh, your musical knowledge uh, and just your varied taste and that sort of thing. Um, but. But it is one of those things where it's just like when it comes to like pop culture musical knowledge, like I don't care and I'm f- and I don't take I don't necessarily take pride in not caring or not knowing. But it's just like I, I don't have time for that. Right. Like as opposed to maybe a, unless it's something, you know, that it might interact with what my taste is. But if it isn't, then I mean, there are people that that they care about the top 40 because it's in the top 40 at this moment. But you know and what? That's the, never this, this has nothing to do with the topic, but we said this would be a rambling episode. You mentioned the top 40. One thing that I've come to realize, um, because I think with more and more people finding stuff through the internet and Spotify and Pandora and stuff like that, um, top 40 radio isn't as much a thing as it used to be. And so one of the byproducts of that is that I have, a, v- a very slight grasp on what music people actually know and don't like, I know that people like most people know who Beyonce is, but yes. like, I can't like, I kind of pop. I can't tell if that's like an indie thing or if that's like a thing that's on major, like, I don't know animal collective. Do does everyone know who animal collective is or like, when you say everyone, do you mean literally everyone? Cause the answer <laughs> I can tell you right now is no, but like I, uh, there's a lot of groups that I listen to that I don't know if they're like niche under the radar groups, you know, cause then like something that I'll think will be under the radar, like, uh, uh, like LCD sound system sells out Madison square garden. So I guess I don't know what this is anymore. Yeah. Our, our fingers are pretty far away from the pulse of society Yeah, and I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Like no one was clamoring for, damn, this is, this gets into the topic really well. Oh, well, I'll say it anyway. We'll reference okay. it. Yeah, we'll come back. Yeah, um, we'll circle around. When I stumbled onto Eels. Oh, sure. I was just like, oh, this band is great. Yeah, they've been around for years. Oh, yeah, that's the the Mountain Goats for yeah. me. Like, I heard the Mountain Goats in, I guess it was, oh, oh, <laughs> I guess it was, oh, four when We Shall All Be Healed came out. And I was like, oh, this, like cool new band and i realized oh they've already been around for like almost 15 years yeah in 2004 if anything i've i've shown up in the twilight of their career (laughs) yeah um i mean not not although john doneal from the mountain goats says that despite having been around since 1990 it's not until he he sometimes refers to the album after we shall be healed the sunset tree from 2005 as the first real mountain goats album it's a wonderful album that's the one that you introduced me was okay. I think that and, and no, I think Tallahassee was the first one you you and that was before me. We Shall All Be Healed. That was when I went back and, and that that album's great. I love Tallahassee that. is oof, yeah one of Sunset the Sunset Tree is amazing. Sunset Tree Sunset I, I really Sunset Tree can be hard to take sometimes, but also sometimes you know um, Sunset Tree for those who don't know is an entire album about how uh, John Darnielle was uh, physically and emotionally abused by his stepfather. That's yeah. the entire album is about that. Uh, and sometimes it's rough, but then like 
the song this year is like now their go to like show closer when they play live yeah. show. Like it's a big stomp along, sing along song. Yeah, it's great. I yeah. love it. And this and that's the thing is like with with eels and it's weird the way I I stumble into music. Okay, well, uh, can I tell you how I heard of eels? Sure. Scream Two soundtrack. Oh, okay. What song was it? Uh, Lucky Day in Hell. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Which okay. I think is also in Gross Point Blank, which was like the same year or the year after. Yeah. So they've been around a long time. And then I, 2013, uh, no, probably two years ago, um, whenever Walking Dead started. Oh. Because it's not featured in Walking Dead. Here's what it is. The song Fresh Blood from the album Ombre Lobo. Uh-huh. That's Wolfman, by the way. <laughs> stay tuned <laughs> werewolves are showing up a lot in yeah, this episode by accident it's the reason for the season <laughs> <laughs> um but uh i mean i saw one the other day at trader vicks his hair was perfect <laughs> so um the uh <laughs> but um yeah uh the an, an animator when Walking Dead had been like announced, an animator oh, had yeah. had done uh, this really amazing sequence. I think I showed it to you. Um, yeah, yeah. You animating did. like comic book, like frames from the comic book into this beautiful sequence, and had that song underneath. And the song was so freaking great. And there's you know there's certain everyone every once in a while you run across a certain lyric that's just like ah oh, that's a that's a that's a good lyric. Like it just, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and the one on there, the one that got me was, uh, after the fires, but before the flood. Uh-huh. And I remember, and just talking, and then it's just like, Oh, that's neat. It's just like, that's a, <laughs> I can't tell. Like if, if, if the fires had just happened, but the flood hadn't happened uh-huh. yet, it's like, Oh, that's a nice little space of stupid optimism. Uh-huh. And I kind of, I really liked that, uh, that phrasing. Um, speaking of your lyrics, we loved, I'll go back to the mountain goats because on Tallahassee, he says that, uh, uh, his, the character's wife's eyes are like a trash can fire in a prison cell, like the searchlights in the parking lots of hell. That's such a great, that's a great (laughs) lyric. There's one, um, there's one that, uh, Johnny Dowd, who you, who you introduced me to, we're talking, we're talking music, everybody. Yeah. This is what happens when the guest doesn't show up. (laughs) Um, but, uh, Johnny Dowd, uh, has a wonderful, uh, the the song in general is fun. It's called "I Hope You Don't Mind." It's basically the, a love story from the point of view of somebody stalking somebody. <laughs> um, and he says, uh, "Let's see." Which, by the I'll, way, is I'll, essentially, I'll love you. Oh, sorry, I love you till the end of time, till rivers flow upstream. My love for you is not a whisper. My love is a scream. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, that's gr- that's wonderful and terrifying, of course. Um, uh, by the way, the Mountain Goat song fan favorite, "Going to Georgia," is also essentially about someone stalking an ex uh and john Daniel doesn't do it anymore um he doesn't oh he, he doesn't do the song anymore. doesn't do the song he's oh, okay. like i thought you meant he doesn't stalk his ex anymore yeah yeah um he doesn't yeah he's uh happily married uh as far as i know uh but basically it's because it's from the point of view of the stalker and he doesn't want to and it's a very upbeat song and yeah. so he didn't you know doesn't want people to get the wrong impression it's still a great song yeah tom waits has a song uh that's that has kind of this nice uh, lovely, just lilting quality to it, and it's basically, and you realize eventually, like, oh, this is the story of a guy who uh, drowns a woman he's attracted to. <laughs> um, uh, all right, um, one thing, uh, you know, but uh, we need to get into the topic. There's no like uh, easy way into this. One, one thing I did want to mention, though, that came up, I guess, two weeks on the show, two weeks ago on the show, was uh, um, when when Kyle was with us, mm-hmm. was a movie that I love. He has since passed away. 
a movie I love called uh, called The Reflecting Skin. Oh yes. And I said that it wasn't on DVD, and that was because the last I had checked, it wasn't on DVD. Well, it turns out the last I had checked was more than two years ago, because it was released on DVD in Region 1 two years ago, and I want to thank a listener named Bill, I don't say last names, um, for uh, contacting me and letting me know, and I should have my copy this week. Oh, that's very exciting. I'm uh, glad to hear it. Yeah, and so that means now I can do that uh, What the Fuck Are You Watching episode. Oh yeah, because uh, I can watch it. You know, and make sure that make sure that Kyle and Lincoln are able to see it. Um, so I wanted to thank Bill for that. I also wanted to thank uh, uh, our friends at TweakedAudio.com. That's uh, Tweaked T W E A K E D Audio dot com. That's where you go for a, a professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors at a low low price, and they really are great earbuds. Um, and if you go to TweakedAudio.com slash pretension. You get that for one-third off and free shipping. A great product sold by a great man named Bruce, who Bruce. I met over the weekend. Yeah. And he was uh, super nice. And it's one of those things that, like, you know, we, we approach Tweaked as th- they're doing us a huge favor, you know, because we're relatively small time compared to some of the other podcasts oh, that yeah. they sponsor. And, uh, and Small so, potatoes? Small One could say that. One, but One has. When I talk to him he did not treat me as small potatoes he treated me like he was so excited to finally meet me after all this time and it's just like man that's i was very i was very and excited he's a, he's a great fest? guy this is at the pod fest uh mike schmidt introduced us that's great i um yeah i couldn't i couldn't make the pod fest for whatever reasons no. um but it sounds like it was a blast uh, a blast yeah i i wasn't able to spend as much time there as i was last year and that's unfortunate but it was it was great it was a good time and i got to you know see some people that i knew and meet to uh, meet some new people as well so but um but yes yeah, so uh support us and a nice guy that you haven't met but take my word for it. he's very nice his name is bruce bruce and uh and get yourself some tweaked audio earbuds but here's the thing yeah we have another sponsor. All right. Cool. Now, and I, I, I mistakenly said uh, last week that uh, that Travis Betts uh, that we're going to be talking about a different movie every week that he had made. Uh, that's not true. Oh. This week we'll t- talk about the Dead Inside again. Next week we'll talk about something different. I see. Um, I see. So, but here's the thing. So he wrote out something that I need to read. All right. Oh, this is exciting. It, I, w- yeah. I wish I were reading it. Well, it requires, you know, uh, some preparation ahead of time. I mean, uh, like a drink of Propel? Uh, hang on a second. Hang on. <laughs> Tyler is drinking the Propel. <laughs> that is the sound of a satisfied Propel <laughs> consumer. Oh, boy. This is ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. He, here's the thing. He wrote a letter basically to you, the listener, Okay, so I'm going to just read it. So when I say, hey, it's me, it's not me, Tyler Smith. Imagine I am Travis Betts. I would do an accent if I, you know, if I, if I wanted to, but I don't, to differentiate. So just imagine that everything Where's I say. Where's Travis from? Uh, he's local. He's around. Oh, okay. So I guess we could have invited him, invited him on to read these himself and then shoo him away. But uh, Yeah, and I don't want to set a precedent. Look, we'll take these people's money, these sponsors. <laughs> we don't need them on the show. I'm joking, of course. Well, I mean, we'll double the sponsorship fee. You know. <laughs> no problem. You know. There you go. I don't have Travis. You're welcome. I have welcome on anytime. I have some integrity, but I also have my limits. So, okay, uh, here we go. 
Hi, faithful Battleship listener. It's me, Travis Betts, the writer-director of that movie I said you should watch last week. Remember? The Dead Inside. The horror musical? No? Hmm. I guess you were busy, which is totally understandable. Let me just remind you that it is October, and you're going to need some fresh and fun horror movies to watch. Might I suggest The Dead Inside? I gave you a brief synopsis last week, but maybe you missed that episode again. Uh, Missed that episode. Here it is again. The Dead Inside tells the story of Wes and Fee... Too, oh, and he conf, uh, he confirmed, by the way. I was right. Fee, yes. Short for Fiona. Yes. All right. Uh, the Dead Inside tells the story of Wes and Fee, two lovers who have fallen into a rut both creatively and romantically. When, an, when a wandering spirit possesses Fee, Wes is forced to imprison her until he can find a way to get rid of the terrible entity that has taken over her body. This haunting horror musical, yes, you heard that right, a horror musical, explores the dark side of inspiration and the desperation to fill the emptiness inside us. Fangoria Magazine said... The Dead Inside prides itself on defying expectations. And Film Radar and Film Radar said, Travis Betts is a genius. He's an important filmmaker. His films are important. I like that one a lot because it strokes my ego. Available for rent on iTunes and, and purchase on iTunes and Amazon, you can check out all my work, feature films, short films, paper, paper shorts. I don't know what that means. Paper, uh, I should look into it. Sorry, Travis. Paper shorts and bad poetry. Are they shorts made of paper? That's what I want to know now. Travis, email me. Paper shorts. Paper shorts. Maybe it's, uh, you know what? I bet it's a typo and it's paper shirts. I bet that's what it is. Mm, that makes a slightly more sense, I guess. I don't think so. I think it makes less, actually. Uh, but yes, you can find them all on my website. Once again, I am now Travis. Travis Betts, that's B-E-T-Z, Travis traditional spelling, dot com. So, uh, so yes, thank you, Travis, for, for writing that out for me. Um, Dead Inside sounds more and more interesting every week. Yeah. And I got to get me a pair of them uh, paper shorts. <laughs> uh, and I'll get the paper shirt. Yeah, yeah. And um, then we'll take photos of ourselves right. and be like, behold. Yeah. So. <clears throat> um, I'm imagining that the paper shirts and the paper shorts come with crayons like the... Uh, <laughs> like like the tables of the macaroni grill. <laughs> yeah, it's like, are these camo or are these Hawaiian? It's up to you, um, Travis. Here's the thing: if we have, if this is indeed some kind of typo, and we're way off, which I have to assume we are, I'd say get on the paper shorts thing. I think <laughs> you know, I would buy a pair. So, um, okay, uh, one other announcement, though it is not oh, a good. sponsorship-related announcement. Okay, so the uh, top 25 horror list that is a listener compiled, um, we're still accepting submissions, but your submissions are due midnight Pacific Standard Time, October 16th, I believe we said, right? That's the Wednesday. Yeah. And then, Is that Pacific Standard Time or is that Pacific Daylight Time? When does it change over? I don't know. Because we're currently I think I think PST. No, it's PST. You know what? I could be entirely wrong, and I've just never questioned this before. But my understanding is that it's PST for half the year and PDT for half the year. Oh, I've only ever known as uh, Pacific Standard Time. Huh. Okay. But, you know, whatever. All right. Just midnight California. All right? Just look at it like that. (laughs) Right. So um, On on Wednesday, October 16th. Yes, absolutely. So um, do you want to get into the topic? Because I really want to talk about this thing at the... Yeah, I I was just realizing that we, like... You like oh you you like did your whole thing you pulled up a thing before we started like something for the top of the show and then we got to the sponsorships and we never got to your thing for the top of the show yeah we were talking music which was which was unexpected uh, 
so I'll I'll rush through this because yeah, well, I'm, I'm curious to hear. Listeners have uh, been interested in this in the past because we did it last year. So my friends we, and I, yeah, yeah, you don't mean me. I mean uh, me and friends of the show Scott Nye, uh-huh. Josh Long, sure, Jason Aiken, who. Um, and then, uh, last year, Kyle Anderson was a part of it. So a lot of, uh, BP related people are involved in our, uh, this, our second fantasy Oscar draft. Here's how it works in case anybody wants to do it with their, with their friends. Or is still not clear on it after a year like me. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, basically it's, uh, we call it the fantasy Oscar draft, but it's basically the fantasy award season draft and it, and mm-hmm. the Oscars is basically the Super Bowl. Um, and, so this com- we're recording this on a Tuesday. So in three days, we're going to have the actual draft in which we have picked the different categories uh, that we will select. Excuse me. Uh, in which we will make our selections. And then uh, we follow the award season. And that includes Critics Awards and then Golden Globes, Indie Spirit Awards, Guild Awards, that sort of thing. Uh, nominations are worth a certain number of points that we have predetermined wins are worth, uh, you know, a certain number of points. Um, and then, so we will have our draft and then we'll be, we'll be kind of stuck with what we have, uh, until I think early December and then midnight as, as the day, as it sh- uh, switches over into a day, we can then make our trades or bot or we can use points that we have gotten over the course of the critics season to buy something that was unclaimed. For example, last year, uh, nobody had claimed anything for Zero Dark Thirty except screenplay. Actress, no one had picked actress, no one had picked director or picture, and then suddenly, and it it dominated the Critics Awards. Mm-hmm. So when it came time and Midnight clicked over, people snatched, you know, people snatched that up and you got to pay five points to to get that. Or if you and I wanted to trade with each other, then... We could do it, and there are no points being exchanged. That's between you. But and you me. can't trade until December first. Yeah, we haven't. De- pick, I don't think we picked the specific day. But yes, early December. So okay. like before. And then like, is there a trade deadline where after a certain point you can't trade? Uh, yes, which is the night the night before the Oscar nominations oh, come out. Okay. So so that's the deal, and so we are going to when we meet up, we are going to uh, we're going to plug our names into you guessed it the randomizer. Uh-huh. And that will set the that will set the uh, the initial uh, order for the first round of picks, and then we will just take that order and reverse it. It's like the the snake, you know, it goes back and forth. And so, um, so you know, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last, and blah blah blah. So I thought it'd be fun to tell everyone, and that's the thing. It's we're all really tight lipped with each other about what we want to do. Um, like right, but, who, who we're going for, but this episode won't come out until exactly. after the draft. Okay. Exactly. That's why I'm, and I'm not participating. Yeah. So this is next year. I'm don't hold me to it, but this does actually kind of sound fun now. It's kick-ass fun. Um, so um, but that's the thing. Year. Here's the thing. This year I can't, I can't attend the draft. Yeah. And you because need I'll, to, yeah. I will be at Cirque du Soleil. Sacre bleu. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and that is the one thing is you do need to attend the draft. Like there's no Skyping, no phone calls or anything like that. But anyway. Um, can Could I? Okay. Theoretically. Yeah. I don't know how this would work. But write down my picks in order of preference and send a proxy. I thought about that. I did think about that. Uh-huh. Um, it's hard. It's. 
I, I think it's feasible, but you literally would have to have every single pick in a specific order. Right. And that would be so hard for that person to do because that would, it would probably require judgment calls and stuff. Right. That, okay. Uh, so yeah. I mean, if they've got your proxy, then so be it. But yeah, um, they would have my proxy. But uh, it's fun to say, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so I thought I would share what my what my first pick in each category is. Okay. Let's right. start with. Um, I don't have these, and I probably won't, because I think my first pick in a lot of these will be most people's first pick. For example, last year there were two obvious picks: Daniel Day Lewis, oops, Daniel Day Lewis, and uh, Anne Hathaway. And so everything else was kind of on the table and you never, you never quite knew, but like there are sure things and then everything else is kind of up in the air. Um, and I'll say, by the way, I came in dead last last year cause I put too much into Anna Karenina and I thought it was Joe Wright's turn. Um, I didn't, I didn't expect it to get like major wins, but I thought, but if you do it right, you can get a lot of points with mere nominations. But anyway, so, okay. But, and in spite of coming in dead last, which normally sour me on anything, uh-huh. It only made me hungrier. Can I see this? Sure. I'm going to announce the categories. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start at the bottom. Okay. Oh, first off, the very bottom is something called catch-all. Okay, we'll do that one last. Okay, catch-all, I'll say this. Catch-all only applies to the Oscars, and it's every category that we have not specified. So okay. you pick one movie, and that movie, you know, if it was Lincoln or something like that, and it got and it got nominated for costume design then you would get those points okay so these are tyler's essentially these are your early predictions for award favorites uh yes award favorites yes not necessarily oscars some of them are are trying to get points from critics awards so let's start with best cinematography Mm -hmm. you can you can you can say i'm gonna say the category you said this is where we're both involved okay having not seen the film uh i went with uh gravity okay Best editing. I also went with gravity. That seems tough because there's not a lot of edits from what I understand. Really? It's a lot of long shots or but, long takes as well. And that's say. the thing is, uh, you know, I some of these are based on, on my own instinct, but it's also based on just general research because there are a lot of websites that are based on Oscar predictions. Oh. So. Um, and gravity tops that list. Best original screenplay. What did I go with? Oh, I went with uh, American Hustle. Written by, doesn't say on here. Well, yeah, uh, but it's uh, David O. Russell. Yes. Yeah. Best Adapted Screenplay. I went with 12 Years a Slave, written by Steve McQueen. Sounds uh, sounds promising. Although you also got um, August Osage County coming out. That could be, yeah. that could be big. Yeah. Uh, best Supporting Actress. This is, a, this is a tough one. This is a long shot. It A long shot in this category, you mean? Or in general? It just seems in general, yeah. Okay. I, mean, I haven't seen the movie. I want to see the movie. I went with Oprah Winfrey for The Butler. Far, pardon me? Lee Daniels, The Butler. Oh, yeah. Um, the Lee Daniels film, Lee Daniels, The Butler. Yeah, that's So, the Lee Daniels, Lee Daniels, The Butler. <laughs> yeah. Way, so. I don't know if, like, it's a it's thing that I don't think anyone noticed, but when we had a review uh, of Lee Daniels, The Butler, whenever I mentioned it on Google Plus or on Twitter, I said, here's, like, a review of Lee Daniels, Lee Daniels, The Butler. <laughs> <laughs> no one no one commented on it <laughs> they probably um, just assumed it was a typo or something like right. that best supporting actor i went with who did i go with oh this one was tough as supporting actor almost always is but i went with uh michael fassbender for 12 years a slave okay i'm gonna say i'm not gonna say what it is your second choice there i hope you're not right <laughs> yeah i know um I know. and i doubt you will be i don't think that guy um 
That guy wants it too much. There's a, I know, but there's a lot of buzz about it. I don't know. He's thirsty. I know. Um, uh, best actress. Who did I go with? I went with, oh yeah. Okay. See, this one was, was rough too, but I went with, uh, Kate Blanchett for, uh, Blue Jasmine. Well, it's given that it's, uh, almost only one of these that I've seen, uh, it's a good choice. Yeah. She's amazing. Best actor. You're putting a lot of, uh, your money into this one pot here. Yeah, which I did last year, but it's it's uh, this is a little different. Um, oh, we, we and hope. and I've got a lot of uh, general. This is I went with uh, Shiotel Ejio for for uh, Twelve Years a Slave. Best actor is a strong category this year, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, and that's the thing. Twelve Years a Slave is kind of viewed as the the powerhouse uh, this year. And you know what? I never saw Hunger, but I saw Shame, and I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't like. Shane and either. so it remains to be seen whether I like whether I like Twelve Years a Slave. Best director. This is your other uh, big. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, on the, the principle of it being so and so's turn, I went with Alfonso Cuarón for Gravity. Okay. And finally, this will come as no surprise to those who have heard these picks so far. Best yeah. picture. Your choice is Twelve Years a Slave. All right, that was fun. Yeah. Let's. I hope people are writing those down. Yeah. Tyler will, obviously has them written down. And I will update everybody with what I what i wound up with because i'm sure i will not get many of those right you know right so now um i don't know i've never played fantasy uh sports at all so um but i know in like say professional sports the way the draft works is that uh and i mean there are some complications with like lotteries and stuff but it's basically whoever was the worst gets the first pick the next year but you're still going with randomizer still going with randomizer you, you don't get the first pick because you were the worst last year because no. the teams aren't exactly the same or the right yeah there are no. some people right okay yeah that makes so sense. randomizer like, is always the best and then a friend of mine who uh who does like fantasy he does fantasy everything he he said oh you know there's also the possibility of uh like uh making your picks by auction and i was like and i said explain how that works and he explained i was like we're going to hold off on that until we're maybe a few years in. <laughs> right. And if then it's right. just like, let's not overcomplicate this. Okay. Well, um, let's, let's get into it. Shall we? Indeed. Um, this won't be a very long topic cause we don't really know what we're talking about cause uh, our guest didn't show up. But, uh, those who listen perhaps to my other podcast, Hey, watch this with Paul and David. Um, I know that, um, I, uh, uh, attended a, a movie night, not Tyler's storied movie night. No, um, and you would have enjoyed it this last week. Oh, uh, yeah. I provided the DVDs. Yeah. Um, but no, I went to my friend's uh, place. He has a big projector, a Blu-ray projector. Um, and we watched uh, we watched two movies. First first off, it, this is Halloween theme. So first off, we watched Poltergeist, which is uh, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Maybe my favorite horror movie of all time. If I vote in the thing that's due October you should. 16th. You should. It's a democracy. Uh, yeah, I, I know that I'm allowed to. If I do vote, Poltergeist will be high in the running for the number one pick. Uh, it's a it's a great movie. Uh, we watched Poltergeist, and then we had a whole bunch of stuff. I kind of wanted the, the, to, to go second. We knew going in we were going to watch Poltergeist, and then Frank had a stack of this is Frank Feel My Wrath McGrath had mm-hmm. a stack of Blu-rays of horror Blu-rays, and we had some. You know, I was I was kind of leaning towards like let's watch the others because I hadn't seen it since it was like a brand new DVD release like ten years ago, um, and then. Uh, he picked a movie and I was like, hey, you know what? I've never seen that and I want to see it. Um, not knowing much about it. I saw Amer- an American werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I was telling you Tyler beforehand that it's the kind of movie that I loved so much 
that I'm like, I feel like my friends have betrayed me. My friends who have seen it somehow have betrayed me or don't know me as well as they should because they didn't tell me how much this movie is directly up my alley. Uh, It's, and I know that most of our listeners are savvy film goers and i assume that a lot of them have seen more movies than i have we've all we have long assumed that yes uh so i know a lot of you are like yeah duh uh, and have already seen an american world in london but if you haven't seen it it's so 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 good mm-hmm. it's it's an unbelievable and i think i just like no one had ever talked to me about it so i didn't know what it was i guess i just thought it was a werewolf movie um which it is but weirdly, not in, like it is at the beginning and it is at the end, but a whole lot of the middle isn't. Yeah, yeah. A whole there's... lot of the middle is this whole other thing that, that, that John Landis, in writing it, made up about like what it's like, to, essentially what it's like to be a werewolf the other 27 days of the month. Yes. Uh, you know, what it's like to become a werewolf um, uh, that, that he, he gets to make up and has so much fun with. And another thing that people didn't tell me, and I guess, as you pointed out, it's a John Landis film, I should have guessed this it's hilarious Mm. it's so funny and so funny in like a weird and dark way um and yeah just a weird like (laughs) there's a scene very near the end that takes a discussion that happens in a uh porno theater and there's a couple cutaways to the porno that's playing on screen that was filmed for the purpose of the no question about it and it's so funny like so nonsensically funny yeah um uh, so basically what I'm saying is that um, in terms of just pure fun in watching a movie, American Werewolf in London might be up there among my most favorite movies of all time now. <laughs> and I am, I was left thinking about this movie, Where Have You Been on My Life? And so that's what, we're, that's, that's what our loose topic is going to be today. Movies yeah. that we... Uh, well, he, here's the thing. We're still... I know that we're, you know... Uh, we're still fairly young, mm-hmm. you and I. So, um, you know, I was still trying to think of movies and I was thinking of stuff that I saw in college, but it's like, at that point I hadn't been around long enough to have been missing out. And I saw that movie, you know, at a time that I, that I should have, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I'm trying to now, now suddenly I can't think of any examples. Uh, but like raise the red lantern is something that is like, uh, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time. And if I had just seen it for the first time this week, it would be on this list. Yeah. But I saw it when I was 19, which is kind of probably about the right age uh, to see yeah. Raise the Red Lantern. Um, so it's going to mostly be movies that I've seen in the past few years. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I mentioned American Werewolf in London. What, what, uh, what was the first one that came to mind when I mentioned this topic to you? Uh, the first one that I... I mean, listeners know that, uh, that I... Uh, uh, went on I went on a hiatus in order to watch movies, but of course those are, those are movies that I chose, movies that I had been meaning to watch for a long time, uh-huh. assuming yeah. that I, partially assuming that I would like them, but also just feeling like I should see these, you know. Um, but uh, but one of the films that I watched that was not scheduled, uh, I was not it was I was not meant to watch that during my my hiatus was. Um, uh, my dinner with Andre, and that's one where I mean, I just threw it in. I mean, I just I was on Hulu, but I just just threw it on and just thought like, okay, this will be fine. I was gonna have it on, frankly, like while I was working. Uh-huh. I know that sounds terrible, but like I also <laughs> I I was kind of approaching it as like, 
okay, well, it's uh, I've heard it's not a particularly visually dynamic film, which is not. Um, it's just like I'll just approach it like an episode of, the, of a podcast. You know, I'll just do that. <laughs> And uh, that didn't last. That lasted about two minutes. And then I stopped working (laughs) and just watched a movie. And so I wound up getting way behind on work uh, while that happened. And so – and it just – and that's the thing. It's one of those things that – like I loved it so much that I was surprised. But given the nature of it, how could I ever have been surprised that I would love that movie as much as I did? Yeah, yeah. That's what I – that was what I thought because it does seem like a very Tyler type of movie. Yeah. And it's just – and I think it was just because movies that I feel like I will love, whether they be, you know, recent releases or or they've been around a while, they're movies that, like, I haven't necessarily – I haven't – you know, maybe I haven't gotten to them, but they're always – I'm always aware of them. And there's sort of a sense of urgency of, okay, all right, when we watch this or just, like, when it comes time to watch something, it's like, okay, this is – on the list of possibles, you know? And so, um, and, uh, and my dinner with Andre was never on the list of possibles and I'm kicking myself uh-huh. and I'm saying, you know, that idea of like, where have you been all my life? Just like, this is, I got angry and I don't know who I get me, I guess. But it was just like uh, the way that I phrased it to you before we started recording was like, I've been me <laughs> make of that. What you, what you will, I've been this thing. For a long time. And I've known about my dinner with Andre for quite a while. How those two things never interacted in any kind of, and how they only just kind of stumbled their asses into each other. Then (laughs) it's just like, it seems like a horrible mistake has been made. And rather than be happy that the, that the mistake was corrected eventually, it's just like, how have I gone so long? You know? And uh, and so that that was the first one I thought of because it was so it was so me. Um, well, I think it, in the past few minutes thinking about this topic and thinking about an American world from London, I found that a lot of the ones I am as are you a big comedy fan, mm-hmm. but also maybe it's because I've just exposed myself to comedy for so long. Um, I I have developed sort of specific and weird tastes in comedy Mm -hmm. and so often the the movies that are coming to mind are things that i think are really really funny that don't get talked about as being great comedies which i think maybe that's the problem with why why america that that's the reason that american world from london blew me away so much Mm -hmm. is that it doesn't get talked about with even among john landis's other kind of doesn't it's not up there people don't talk about like they do trading places or 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 coming to america or blues Blues brothers or animal house of course yeah um uh, but, uh, so I, 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 in thinking about this, I thought of comedies and I'm thinking, uh, a couple that, um, come to mind now. Now, one of them is one that I think partially, um, it isn't aware. Have you been on my life thing? Cause it's only in recent years enjoyed a sort of, some, a sort of a resurgence, which is, um, Hal Ashby's the landlord. Okay. Um, which is a film where, um, uh, is it called? Yeah. It's called the landlord, right? Yeah. Where, um, Bo, Bo Bridges, a young Bo Bridges, plays a sort of uh, very rich kid, uh, or you know, college age type, who um, buys a building um, in, uh, in 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 Brooklyn, in a, in a part of in a part of Brooklyn that is now very gentrified, but at the time was very much not. But essentially, 
I don't think the word gentrification was in vogue back then, but essentially he is wanting to gentrify the neighborhood. Uh, his plan is to um, kick the tenants out and rebuild this whole like brownstone and make you know make it uh, his own and 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 essentially bring his his point of view to the neighborhood. And he ends up becoming the landlord of um, a building full of uh, black people and black families and, and poor black people, and black families, families, and he's this you know spoiled uh white kid uh and it's a it's a really really awesome movie yeah it sounds great um and then another one that actually leapt to mind because i happened to see it at the same theater which is the arrow theater in santa monica uh is now when people think of john sales obviously john sales is known as a great filmmaker mm-hmm. not necessarily known as a comedy filmmaker or yeah. really as a genre filmmaker but he made one of one of my favorite john sales films is brother from another planet uh which Featuring uh, Joe Morton, correct? Uh, yes, yes. Role. But also um, John Sayles himself and um, David Strathairn. Strathairn? I'm not sure. I never know how you say it. Strathairn is how I've always said it. Um, as the bad aliens who are looking for Joe Morton's sort of hero alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and their their weirdness is part of the funny, the comedy of the movie. It's, it's a really, really awesome movie. Uh, Brother from Another Planet. Probably one of the best movies of the 80s, I would think. Um, but... Um, maybe doesn't get talked about because, because maybe because of who John Sayles went on to be, it's considered a footnote. Well, and also I think, I think honestly, people are probably prone to hear that title Uh and say like, okay, I'm going to move on. (laughs) Right. I'm a John Sayles fan. Uh I love him. And even I'm just like, well, it's his earlier work. And I only saw it. Because they were doing, uh, I'd never seen Lone Star in the theater before, mm-hmm. and they were showing Lone Star, and it was the back half of the double feature was Brother from Another Planet, and I decided to stay, and it was amazing. I think that's what often happens with with this sort of thing, the idea of where have you been all my life, uh, is, you know, it, it, there's, there's almost an accidental quality to it. Uh-huh. You stumble into it. Yeah. You know? Which is why, like, I I don't necessarily. I mean, when I saw the Three Colors trilogy, it's like, oh man, I this is astounding. But I knew it was going to be astounding, and I knew that I was going to like it. It's why I why I chose to watch it on my mm-hmm. hiatus. But you know, here we have an instance of like you guys went in knowing you're going to watch Poltergeist, and then well, there's a number of other things uh, we go with this because sure, why not? You right. know, you weren't necessarily intentional about it. It just you know, right. I, the idea of where where have you been all my life is a is a romantic one. It's one uh-huh. where you see you meet someone and you're just like, oh, this feels this feels so right, and I didn't even know it was going to happen. And so I don't necessarily want to bring up anything that I have uh, specifically um, uh, specifically sought after. Uh, so for me, I'm going to talk about stuff that I saw like in school or stuff that. Um, that I saw at my weekly movie night that somebody else uh-huh. picked um, because uh, it just, <laughs> okay, now I'll bring up one that I picked. Uh, I picked babe pick in the uh, pig in the city, which I picked primarily to spite other people at movie night. Uh, th- but well, fake, people- fake spite because I knew it was going to be great. Yeah. And they, but their thought first thought was like, What? Not not merely Babe, the sequel to Babe. Uh-huh. And there's like, how? And then I just like, it's a guy that did Mad Max. And they're like, okay. 
and just like, well, it's my pick, so this is what we're watching. But that's the thing. So even though it had been on my list to see for a long time, uh, I I picked because it's just uh, I was feeling uh, spiteful in that moment um, for reasons that I won't go into. And so um, and everyone wound up loving it, including I mean maybe most of all me uh-huh. and i was like oh thank god for my own spite which is why i've held on to it you know uh-huh. over over the years it's really gotten me into some good situations <laughs> um but that's the thing so i think almost everything on my list will be something that we that we uh watch for for movie night um, I, um and not, it was always almost always somebody else's pick not that long ago and i feel like i might have mentioned this on the podcast i watched babe pig in the city with an actual child uh, my girlfriend's nephew and he was, he enjoyed it, but he was, uh, very on edge and very like, it's a lot well, of well, animals good. in peril a lot of the time, a lot of the time, but yeah, you know what? It was, good. it was upsetting to him. When I say good, I don't mean good animals in peril, but it's just or like, good that children are upset, but no, that's what I'm saying. Think of the, think of the movies that we were raised with labyrinth, the uh, dark I, crystal. I didn't see either of those until I was much okay. older. Return dark, to Oz. Did you see return to Oz? Not until high school. Never ending story. Yes. There's some disturbing shit in there. Yeah. Oh, even, I mean, all the Disney, you know, uh, yeah. I was like, um, the first movie I ever saw more than once in the theater was The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, timely, because it's finally out on Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. Did you, did you get it? Uh, no, I have a, Jen and I went through our DVD collection uh-huh. and decided this is what we will convert to Blu-ray. And, and Little uh, Mermaid didn't make the cut? It didn't, because we, you know. Because uh, I'm thinking about getting it while it's still available, because it is a great movie. But Ursula, especially at the end, when she gets all, like, big and, like, yeah. this sky gets all stormy, it's terrifying. Well, and also, part, like, I think I have a fear of, like, boats and drowning and stuff because it's of... a reasonable fear. Because of Ursula in Little Mermaid, but also because of the storm uh, in the sinking sequence in um, An American Tale. Which, oh, yeah. as a little kid, when the storm would come in, I'd go hide behind the couch. Yeah, and it's just... Yeah, these were these were movies that we were raised with, and they there were disturbing elements to them. And and I, I know it sounds weird, but part of me just feels like, yeah, life's, life sucks sometimes, and there will be adversity, and adversity sometimes will be a little scary. But you, you get... you. You conquer it through, you know, stick to itiveness mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, hopefully. And so, like, I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, the horror show of Pinocchio, um, you know, prepares you for life. You know, don't smoke cigars. Yeah. That's what I learned. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's the only thing that I actually do smoke. <clears throat> so I'm trying to think um, of some other uh, examples. By the way, sp- speaking of smoke, like I enjoy the very occasional cigar, but is it possible to smoke a cigar without looking like a douchebag? I don't think it is. I think it is because I, I think I turn into a douchebag when I'm smoking a cigar. Like I was, I had a cigar at my brother's recep- wedding reception. Yeah, with my other brothers and the other um, groomsmen, um, and, and like I look at pictures that my mom and my girlfriend took and i was like i was kind of acting like a douchebag like, i think just having the cigar in my hand or my mouth like makes gives me douche, douchebag mannerisms i'll say this as i get older if i smoke a cigar i feel less self-conscious about it and i think when you're younger if you smoke a cigar it's like look at me i'm smoking a cigar i'm pretty awesome and immediately you'll say you'll you'll start to take on douchebag like qualities every time my story of uh, smoking a cigar in switzerland Mm-mm. i was um 17 when I went to Switzerland um, and uh, I was there with some other other kids and we never had any kind of cigar in our life. We were like, hey, you can buy Cubans here. That's a thing we've heard of. Let's yeah. go buy Cuban cigars. 
and we still got like the cheapest QSR. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and then we went and sat in like a park and we didn't know what to do. We had a lighter. We didn't know what to, and then like one of us said like, I think you're supposed to bite the back of it off. And I oh. went crunch and I bit probably like <laughs> the back quarter of this cigar off. And there were some other American tourists, these older guys who started laughing at me. <laughs> it's like, son, you're not supposed to eat it. Like, I don't know. It's pretty delicious. Those Cubans kind of worked out. <laughs> um, all right. So back, delightful. To, back to the topic. Um, uh, I've, I've made a few notes of, of films, but uh, so well, do you want me to talk and then you can think of more? Or do you have, no, I, I have a, a couple more. Okay. Um, and a lot of them are things that I, I guess it still fits in the accident thing. Like where I, um, my, uh, my Netflix actual like physical DVD. I only get one at mm-hmm. a time. I used to get three. Um, uh, but my actual physical DVD thing, I, I tend to put stuff in my queue and then not mess with my queue. So I'll get mm-hmm. stuff that I put in there years ago. So I got a movie. And I think I talked about it on the podcast, uh, more than a, more than a year ago at this point called the dark, the dark wind, which is the only narrative feature that Errol Morris ever made. And it oh, stars Lou Diamond Phillips. Yes. Yes. Um, All right. And Fred That's Ward. Right. And, um, the, who's the big Indian, uh, big native American actor who's in chief Dan George, uh, or is it, uh, he was on an episode of the West wing. Oh, uh, um, I can't think of it immediately. Oh, it's gonna the guy from crazy. Is it Will Sampson? No, that's the guy from one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Who's Chief? Gary Dan? Farmer. That's who I'm thinking. Oh, Gary Farmer. He's Gary awesome. Farmer. I love yeah. him. The guy from Smoke uh, Smoke Signals yes. and uh, Dead Man. Uh, yes, from Dead Man. Yes. Um, and now, uh, unfortunately, The Dark Wind ends in a. It doesn't end very strong. And from what I've read about it, apparently we have Robert Redford to blame for that because it was a uh, uh, a very early Sundance film production. And I guess Robert Redford didn't like the way that the movie was ending and mm. put sort of a, even though it's still like weird because it brings in like the native native American, like mysticism and stuff. It's still kind of a like action thriller ending. Um, whereas the movie leading up to that is this very bizarre, uh, and bizarrely funny, but also violent, um, desert daylight noir film. Mm. Um, I like that. And, uh, it's, Almost certainly my favorite Lou Diamond Phillips performance ever. Um, what about the big hit? <laughs> yeah, I never saw that one. It's not good. Okay. I'm trying to think what I've seen him in. The Young Guns films. Yeah. La Bamba. I never actually La Bamba? saw La Bamba. He's good. I never saw Stand and Deliver. He's good in that too, yeah. Yeah. And oddly enough, I've never seen the Young Guns movie. So I guess between the two of us, we've, we've got it worked out. Yeah. I never saw Bats. <laughs> Is Shannon Doherty in that? I don't know. All right. Um Anyway, so the 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 Dark Wind. I'm trying to think of like it's such an odd like oddball movie, um, but uh, you know there's a sequences that take place in this. Apparently, it's an actual like roadside motel where all the rooms are standalone and they look like big teepees from the outside. Okay. But then you open a door and it's a room just with round walls. Yeah. And there's a whole sequence that takes place there. Um, uh, anyway, I, I I can't like describe the movie. People people should check it out. The DVD is a very poor quality. It's um you know there are like uh, boom mics and stuff in the in in the frame because it was not uh I don't know 
uh, transferred correctly. Hmm. It's uh, it's a shame, but it's a it's a really weird little movie. But you can already tell I'm I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel here. But you know what? Um, there's also stuff that I found when we lived together in in, in college. I would just uh, go through your VHS collection because you had a whole bunch of movies I hadn't seen. Sometimes movies you hadn't seen, by the way. And I would just watch like... What am am I going to do? Pass up this thing I'll likely enjoy for $3? (laughs) Um, So I would watch all all kinds of stuff. And some of it was like stuff that like... It's weird that I've seen True Colors starring James Spader. Like that's a movie yeah. that no one talks about, but you had it, so I watched it. Yeah, I got um, that. I think for fifty cents. Um, but uh, and now again, this is one that I almost certainly would have come to eventually. But it fits into the sort of it fits into the American Werewolf in London thing because a, it's a horror movie, and b, it's not despite its reputation, it's not what I expected, and that's the original Frankenstein, mm. uh, which is also one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, is uh, so much more, and it has so much more depth than I think I, especially my nineteen-year-old mind, yeah. assumed it would have going in. Yeah, in a movie like that, you just, you know, it's 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 old enough that culture has just absorbed the. I mean, to my knowledge, that's the movie that caused people to associate the word Frankenstein with the monster, right? Because right. the monster was such a fascinating presence that. Um, that they just and Frankenstein itself is such an odd name that uh-huh. they just said like oh there's Frankenstein you know so so the 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 per, the thing that we know of uh, that we know as Frankenstein like has just permeated culture to the point where it's just like okay we got it Gro- uh, groaning and just like arms lifted straight up and just you know fire bad and stuff like that. Then you go and actually watch it and you see like just this amazing performance by Boris Karloff. Um, and it's just, it's so much more than, than anybody would ever say. And then have you seen Bride of Frankenstein? I never have. Oh, I read, I read and saw gods and monsters, or I guess the book isn't called gods and monsters. It's called father, father of Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, so I've, I know a lot about like the backstory, man, it's of making it and stuff. I love Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Bride of Frankenstein. It's it. It goes back to what we we've, we've talked about before with, uh, you know, when a film does so well that the filmmakers give an absolute control over the sequel, and that's how you get Batman Returns. It's how you get Gremlins Two, the new yeah. batch. Yeah. Um, and it's how you get Bride of Frankenstein and James Whale given given unlimited control. Man, like it's so delightful. I love it. I have it. I should lend it to you. Yeah, you should. Um, uh, that, well, this is slightly off topic. It's something we talked about before, but there's a certain there's there's a especially to younger like um, budding cineasts and stuff like as we were. There's uh, a curse to something being considered a classic film is that it doesn't seem exciting. Oh yeah, uh, you know, and like that's um, because I'm a negative pessimistic person. I tend to go to the negative when like. Vertigo overtook Citizen Kane on the uh, sight and sound list um, as as number one. A part of me was like, oh, not like people are going to think it's just this thing now and maybe aren't going to stumble across. Not that Vertigo was ever like so under the radar that you stumble across yeah. it. But um, it was still, an, it wasn't thought of as high enough that you go and that you would necessarily sit down going, okay, I guess I'm going to watch this classic film now. You yeah, know? it seems like homework. Uh, yeah, whereas Vertigo is not that. When you and I watched it 
uh, I think we saw it together for the first time, yes. right? On on VHS or maybe on DVD. I can't remember. Um, I think it was. I think it was DVD. At the time. Um, like we were both pretty blown away by it because yeah. we did, and we didn't sit down going like, "Here's one to check off the list." Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, it was to a certain extent where it's just like, it's like, well, this is like, this is the last major Hitchcock that I right, right. have not seen. So it was, it was that, but it was also just like. But I didn't go in expecting it to be better than Psycho or yeah. better than Rear, Win- Rear Window or anything like that. Um, and that's one thing that you'll find with all these classic films. Um, even Citizen Kane is, you know, has um, a, a specificity to it and an idiosyncrasy to it that um, gets maybe forgotten in the. Basically, you know, the perfect example is, uh, I think, as as much as Casablanca is an amazing film. Not all classic films are Casablanca, you know? Right, yeah. And, and, like, I think that's kind of how they're thought of as being just sort of uh, big and important and of their time and classic, you yeah. know? And you think of more modern films as having more personality and idiosyncrasy. Yeah. But even, you know, um, like something like uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which is an amazing movie. Amazing. Yes. Um, you know, I, it, you can't just lump it in with every other like westernish like adventure movie. Yeah, great filmmakers are always great, uh-huh. no matter when they were great. You know, you get somebody like I mean, we're talking about Hitchcock and Wells and Houston and stuff like that. You get a Wells in there, and just like yes, okay, Citizen Kane. It's to me, it's like one of the worst things that ever could have happened to Citizen Kane was being considered the best film of all time because uh-huh. then you get people going and it's like yeah it's all right it's like are you fucking kidding me like <laughs> and that's recently um somebody uh and if he's listening to this i apologize i do not re- i do not recall his name but uh recently on the facebook page i think i had reposted uh, our list of uh top 100 movies and of course citizen kane was number one this was listener generated and he commented and said like you know commented on how unoriginal that is and my first response because i have spent many years defending citizen kane <laughs> uh-huh. my first response was it's like you know what's almost as original as citizen kane is uh make is talking about how uh how unoriginal it is to like citizen kane like yeah. that's right behind like there's always the guy right behind saying uh yeah. excuse me there's always that guy with here's that an original film. idea for you Go jump in a lake. <laughs> now, how would I do that, David? <laughs> well, no, that's the, we're talking about two different. There, you basically you've got three options here. Okay, you can take a long walk up a short pier. Mm. You can go jump in a lake, or this is a slightly less used, more obscure option. But if you want, you can go fly a kite. Oh, all right. I, I thought you were going to go the gobel route. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm not. Uh, yeah, obviously, obviously, you can do that. All yes. of you can go do that. No question. Uh, Anyway, I prefer go jump in a lake of the three, but uh, go fly a kite is when you do, you don't want to overuse. You got to find the right times to tell people to go fly a kite. There is okay. I read the book Jaws too young, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and there is a uh, a line in which uh, Brody says to Hooper uh-huh. says this thing that couldn't that is like a total like Stephen King type line. Where it's like, I've never heard, I'd never heard it before. Uh-huh. I haven't heard it since. You bet your dog I, whistle. <laughs> exactly. Something like that. Um, but, uh, but I read it at just the right time. That's like, 
Now that phrase is ingrained in my mind, uh-huh. and now I have to stop myself from saying it because it's not a thing that is said, and <laughs> okay. it's insane. Brody mind. says to Hooper, and they're you know they have a much more uh, contentious relationship in the book. I believe he says, "You can go take a flying fuck at the moon." <laughs> well, you mentioned Stephen King. Stephen King, I, I can't remember what book it is. Had someone says to go take a flying fuck at a rolling donut. <laughs> Yeah, he clearly read Jaws and it's like, oh, you think you're clever, Benchley? A rolling donut. Man, there's so many – there are so many – here's the thing. If you say, hey, you can go take a flying fuck at a rolling donut and if that person does that, that's – you have tremendous respect for that person, you know. You're flying. It's rolling and you Who knows what kind of surface that donut is rolling across. Exactly. Oh, man. Anyway. Moving on, uh, but yeah, and so like a movie like uh, like Citizen Kane, it's it is unfortunate that people. This, I guess this could bring up a slightly larger thing is, you know, in our in our modern society, David, which is I, I hate that I had that I started saying that, yeah. but um, it's like the most Islamic line. You know what I blame this on the downfall of society. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Mo had a great moment in the most in like the second most recent Simpsons, and I don't I don't really keep up with it, but I oh. was watching it while I was working, and it was a uh, it's a wonderful mo moment as I <laughs> like to call them. Um, but anyway, uh, so I have forgotten what I was saying. Hang on. Uh, oh yeah, Kane. yeah, yeah. And so, as I've said before, with a lot of technology and the nature of technology right now, it emphasizes you getting what you want when you want it all the time. Now, I'm fine with that. And you and I could talk at length about, you know, the effect that it's having on television uh, as a medium and that sort of thing, but also just movies and just, and, you know, Twitter and all that. And I love, you know, I love Twitter. I love watching a movie when, you know, whenever I want to, or watching the next episode of a show whenever I want to. Like, I enjoy that. But I feel like, there's such an emphasis on do what you want whenever you want that the idea that there being a movie that a person – not necessarily that a movie – that a person should see. Like mm-hmm. I feel like the the opportunity for a where have you been all my life is not what it used to be. You know, I – like one of the reasons that we love this movie night is like I don't have – it's like I get my pick. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we'll have a situation where we vote. But I've been outvoted before and I saw Branded to Kill, which oh. I did not care for. Oh, okay. Um, but like, you know, it's just I've agreed to go to this thing and I'm going to see something that I might not have ever been interested in. And yeah, sometimes the movie turns out to be something I'm not that uh, – that I don't actually like. You mm-hmm. know, Henry and June did not care for it. Um, but other times – and I'll list Is that uncomfortable? I've never seen it. Was it it's, uncomfortable watching Henry in June? It's not as you know. It's it's NC seventeen in nineteen ninety. It's oh, it'd be an, an easy R right now. I, I think. Um, but uh, but yeah, and so like, I don't know. I feel like embracing the idea. If only there was a way to like an option you could select so that you could lock down your Netflix cute. Like as far as the disc, you know, uh-huh. where you can't watch one until the next one until you. Uh-huh. You can't get one until you watch the the first one. Um, lock it down so that you can't change the order. It's like, okay, here's what you get, uh-huh. and you have to watch it, or you send it back, right? And then you've wasted one of these. Um, 
I know it sounds strange, but it's just like, you know, it's, it's, there's a certain degree of adversity to suddenly you have to watch this thing. And, and I feel like, I don't know. And, and I, I don't quite remember how I got here from Citizen Kane, except that, you know, anytime a movie is listed as the best or Mm -hmm. it winds up on a list and I, and we make tons of lists, you know, but like anytime that happens, you, I feel like you immediately start to repel the person because now it's like, oh, you should do this. And these days people are like, ah, I don't do anything that I should do or anything that I have to do. I do what I want to do. I have to go to work. Now I'm done with work. So why the hell would I do that? You know? (laughs) And I feel like there's a natural uh, rebellion against someone seeing ever laying eyes on anything they don't want to, or they don't instinctively want to. I guess, but then you've also got, um, because so many other people have, uh, so many people have a voice now with, um, with social media that you, you've got movies that get championed that wouldn't otherwise. That's no, that's true. It's, 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 there's of course, I mean, you know, you and I have three podcasts, three and a half. I'll, I'll throw in previously on as well. Uh, Um, That's over. Okay. Um, but like between the the two of us, we have three active podcasts. Mm-hmm. And so like clearly I'm not opposed to what can be done. But I do feel like even even in myself, I just noticed that like – I mean there have been times when I throw a movie on on Netflix and if it hasn't grabbed me quick. Oh, I can't I, do I've, that. And that's the thing. It's almost always like, you know what? I'll come back to this. I shouldn't have started it now because it's like I – not in a position to watch this specific movie, but it's just like, I don't know that, but that's the thing. And maybe I'll come back to, you know, that movie. I haven't done it in a while, but like, maybe I'll come back to that movie. Maybe I won't, but I think that there's, you know, what is that? What was that show? There's a reality show called next. (laughs) The MTV dating show. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's literally a person, you know, it's like, sometimes it's a guy, sometimes it's a, it's a woman. And, uh, and there's like just this big, this, you know, a, a wide selection of the opposite sex. And if somebody says something, this person mildly doesn't like, they just say next. And I feel like that's kind of the the mentality now. And yeah, even, I'm glad even, I never watched that. I don't know oh. if I've ever actually seen it. I think I might have seen. Aziz Ansari do a bit about it? That might have been it. Yes, 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 yes. Because uh, Aziz Ansari's bit was about stuff they wouldn't let him get away with on Human Giant on yes, MTV. Okay. And the fact that next is like the most morally repugnant thing that's ever been on television. That might be where I, where I heard about it, but I feel like, I feel like the, the nature of culture right now and it, and it has started to soak into me as well is if this is not what I want immediately, I will move on. And so I would really suggest that people put themselves and I'm sure our listeners already do in some way that you put yourself in a position to not be able to leave or or move on to the next thing. I mean, I yeah, had to, here's the thing. I do it. I had to watch Henry in June. I couldn't just walk out because it would be insulting to the guy that picked it. I don't have to like it. Yeah, but I have to at least sit there. And you don't have to tell him you liked it afterwards. You can tell him you didn't like it. Right? Exactly. Uh, mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, I did that. Um, but that's the thing. So that's and then <clears throat> the other day, um, it was my pick, and I I couldn't decide between Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence and the original Phantom of the Opera, how I arrived at those two different things. And then we eventually voted and we wound up with Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, which I thought was fine. It's funny. Um, that, w- that was actually gonna be one of my ones I talked about today. Okay. It was just like, that was, um, you know, cause I've mentioned 
you know, Netflix or Double Features or your movie collection. Another thing where I ended up just watching weird stuff was working at a video store. Oh, yeah. Um, and now, like, I almost felt like, like, like with Vertigo moving up um, to number one, like, um, sometimes a movie that I like will get picked to be on the Criterion Collection. And it's like, awesome, I'm going to get a great Blu-ray. But yeah. it's like, oh, now everyone knows that this movie's great. Like, you know, in 2003 or whatever, when I saw Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, it was just a weird pick, like a weird thing that I picked. Yeah. That was, um, I, I mean, at, that, at the time even considered um, not one of the, even one of the major works of a director who isn't even in like considered the top tier, you know, isn't talked about, you know, um, uh, you know, with the, with the top tier of art house directors of all time. Yeah. He's a bit of an, an intermediate and this was a deep cut for yes. even for him and now it's a criterion movie so people know what it yeah. is but it was a weird choice that i picked up because i was like what is this movie like david bowie was in a world war ii movie yeah this looks odd oh wow this is really odd yeah. it has um completely anachronistic synth music yeah um a really sort of uh um an odd structure to it and that it's like uh, a surprising in, lack of urgency. Like, yeah, often yeah. not entirely clear quite who the main character is. Like, I guess yeah. ultimately it's Tom Conti's character, but there are times when it's not. Yeah. Um. It it starts with um a you know ritual suicide that's uh somewhat unnerving. Yes. <laughs> to me, um, it's a very and it's all and you know all this weird stuff and it's also incredibly beautiful. This movie. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff there, and that's the thing. I didn't love it. I wanted to, but I didn't. And, uh, I but I was very happy that I saw it and it's just, and that's the thing. So yes. Okay. I did see, uh, you know, like a, like a Henry and June, I saw branded to kill, but I also saw, well, let's take a look as my, as I have to restart my phone. Um, not restart it completely. Reboot it. Reboot it. Um, I also saw last days of disco. Uh, I never, I still haven't seen that. Wonderful. Whit Stillman, where have you been all my life? And by the way, it, it is anytime I make reference to Whit Stillman, it is an effort to not say Slim Whitman. Oh, um, I don't know why. Well, you got to say Whit Whit, Whit Stillman. Whit Stillman. Slim Whitman. <laughs> um, have you seen the movie that I always hear when people say Last Days of Disco, Last Tango in Paris? Have I seen it? Yeah, uh, not for a very long time, but yes. Because I think that's another one that, not that it's like considered. Not that it's on like one of the top ten films of all time, but it's kind of like when we talk about Saturday Night Fever or Planet of the Apes or Rocky, like it gets reduced to a certain thing. Yeah. And Last Tango was actually a really, really good movie that also has, you know, the butter scene, the butter scene, yeah, and which other honestly, things like that. Which honestly is like, it's been so long since I've seen it. That's kind of the only scene I remember. <laughs> and, and I, but I also remember just in general really liking Marlon Brando's performance, and just you know, and he did that. That was what seventy one. Uh, something like that. I don't it's know. it's fascinating I that he did that right before Godfather. It's uh-huh. such a su- such different performances, but um, so yeah, Last Days of Disco is a wonderful movie, and everything about it was me all over. And I remember when it came out in '98. I remember seeing a trailer for it, and even at the time, I mean, I was 16, so I'm sure I would have liked it if I had seen it. I think at that point I was starting to go in that way, um, but I remember the trailer just being like. What what is that? That looks interesting, and uh, but I never got around to see it. And then finally, you know, Josh picks it as uh, as his pick for Moon Knight. Um, Ace in the Hole. I still haven't seen that one. A, a 
one amazing, horrendously cynical, of course, Billy Wilder yeah. film um, well, that is just, you know, astounding. And we all just, when it was over, we all were just sitting there like, oh, well, that, I guess that just happened, but like in the best possible way. And it was like, and, and there, there is this feeling like, like you, like, you know, you said like my friends have betrayed me and we all uh-huh. felt betrayed by ourselves, uh-huh. by each other, by the world. It was just like, we all like Billy Wilder. <laughs> How has this not happened before? Well, um, this list has sort of turned into, um, like an alternate title for the list could be like movies that have more to offer than their reputation suggests. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt the same way the first time I saw the apartment, like, Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's a Jack Lemmon comedy, which is kind of, you know, I think it, maybe because Jack Lemmon also did something like it hot with Billy Wilder. Like maybe it gets lumped in with that because it is a comedy, a Billy Wilder comedy starring Jack Lemmon. But it's also, it's not just like sad in like, uh, like it's just, it's really cynical and it's, yeah. it's a depressing movie, the apartment yeah. and a great movie. This still has, you know, the, the audacity to have some genuine humor and hope in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the apartment. And that's the thing. When I, when I first saw the apartment, I saw it, I'm sure I saw it too young and I thought like, yeah, this is good. Then I saw it again years later. It's like, this is amazing. I saw it in college. It might still be my favorite Billy Wilder, Wilder film. Well, yeah. Although speaking of college, uh, class discoveries, there's a movie that I've talked about multiple times on the podcast that Billy Wilder made called five graves to Cairo. Mm -hmm. That is a world war two movie that was made during world war two in which he like the, in it, it, Envisions a way in which the uh, Allied forces um, beat Rommel in the uh, in the in the in the I guess African theater. I'm not sure what you would refer to that as. Yeah, um, I guess so. Uh, that's a super like just sort of like slick and brisk uh, sort of thriller, almost kind of heist type uh, war movie. That's also you know it's Billy Wilder. It's a, that's, that's a great one. If you can find, I don't know if, I don't know if it's on DVD. I'm sure that our listener bill will send me a link to the five graves to Cairo DVD this week. I lo- isn't it great having listeners and you don't have to always do everything yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will, uh, you mentioned something that you watched in, uh, in school. Did you, wa- you watch that in school? Yeah. I, I, t- I took a class on war propaganda. Oh, that's right. With yes. our, with our, uh, mutual favorite professor, uh, Ron Falzone. Was he your favorite? Was he my favorite? He was I my liked favorite. him a lot. Um, I had I had some good professors. Um, he was probably my favorite. I liked him a lot. Um, but uh, I will bring up in my screenwriting class, we watched uh, Flirting with Disaster, which is a David O. Russell film that I think he did in between Spanking the Monkey and Three Kings. And by the time I saw it, I think I had seen those two films. I don't think uh, uh, I Heart Huckabees had come out yet. And, uh, and so we watched this little like road movie kind of, and it just so hilarious with such a wonderful cast, darkly funny, but also just manic in its sensibility. And I just, I just loved it so much. And I would never, especially at that time, you know, you see Ben Stiller on the cover and though I was aware of the Ben Stiller show and I remember having a certain degree of respect for, um, the cable guy, which he directed, Mm -hmm. um, I remember if I had seen the cover of Flirting with Disaster, I would have been like, yeah, that, I'm not going to see that. Like, that, that, it just doesn't look like – and it was kind of marketed differently than it actually is. Um, but, you know, I was in class. I couldn't walk out. 
And mm-hmm. so we watched this and it's like, this is, I cannot recommend flirting with disaster enough. Have you seen it? No, I never have. Oh, you, you will love it. It's, it's David. It's madcap. <laughs> um, you mentioned, uh, I want to go back to something you said about the apartment, about seeing it too young. Um, there are certain movies that I like, I should say certain genres that I, I've talked about in the podcast before. I don't think I got when I was younger. Um, but certain movies have let them click into place with me. First, it was like with the, uh, Wuxia martial arts movies, master mm-hmm. of the flying guillotine is a movie that like, um, if I had seen it uh, earlier than I did, I would have been like, this is so stupid. Yeah. And it is in a lot of ways so stupid, but it's jubilant. It's having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Did you, I, did I just tell you about it or have you actually watched you it? You only ever told me about okay, it. Okay. I'll lend you the DVD anytime you want it. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. And then more recently, um, I've sort of started to wrap my head around spaghetti Westerns that aren't Sergio Leone. Uh, and I watched, uh, Sabata starring Lee Van Cleef. Um, and that also is a movie that if I had seen it when I was younger, I would have thought it was so stupid because there's so much like stuff that happens in the movie that like would never happen. You know, like he's like, such a good shot that he can like playfully shoot like at his friend to like shoot the cigarette out of his hand or whatever, <laughs> like in the middle of a hotel lobby and everyone just looks and then like goes back to what they're doing. It's like, this guy just shot at his friend, like almost killed his friend. Um, uh, you know, and, and then other times it'll be like the movie is really, uh, you know, actually violent and has real stakes and it manages to balance that in a, in a, in a very, good way but i think i might have been too stuck up or not sophisticated enough to get that when i was younger so i'm glad that i saw sabata when i did and not uh, as a high schooler yeah um i'm trying to think yeah uh there are there are certain movies that um uh that i feel that way about um for example uh okay so in i think what was it 96 I went and saw the John Frankenheimer Island of Dr. Moreau. I saw uh-huh. it with my with my uh, dad. He was deeply disturbed by it because he uh, he was always freaked out at the notion of like animal men and stuff. And I, and I remember at the time being like, then why did you even see yeah. this? And you know what? Because I wanted to see it. That's oh, why he saw it. What a good guy. Yeah. And uh, and so like um, – so I and I loved it. I thought it was fascinating. Of course, you go and rewatch it like this is so schlocky, but it's <laughs> but it's but I love it in in its batshit craziness. Marlon Brando, everything. I mean, you've seen images, I'm sure. Have you seen that? I've never film? seen the movie. No. Okay. Um, you know, his character has like an allergy to the sun. So if he goes outside, he has to be in these flowing robes and this white pancake makeup and these Uh giant sunglasses. And he, and he's, you know, always worried about the heat on this Island. So he has like an ice bucket put on his head and ice dumped, like basically a bucket, but with no bottom. So he puts it on his head and then somebody just scoops ice into it and it will just lay on his bald head. And it's insane. It's insane. And then Val Kilmer says like, all right, I see what Brando's doing. He's being crazy. Can I top him? <laughs> well, let's give it a try. And uh, and so he and then he goes so far as to actually do a Marlon Brando impression in the film. Um, and it's just and it's very disturbing at times. It's like there's some genuinely creepy elements. And I remember thinking it was great. In retrospect, it's not that great, but I still respect how willing to how it, 
crazy it's willing to be. It's funny that I have the opposite path, like, than you would think. Like, all these movies that are goofy fun, like Master of the Flying Guillotine and Sabata, mm-hmm. if I'd seen them as a kid, I would have dismissed them as being too silly. Like, I've... I've... I've had to lighten up as I got older. Like I was like yeah. too uptight as a kid. And now yeah. I've lightened up. I mean, I talked about it with revisiting kill bill and like my mea culpa that yeah. uh, turns out the kill bill movies are really good. Yeah. It's still hot. Like sometimes I forget that I like them. Yeah. Cause you're, cause I disliked them the for default. so long. Yeah, yeah. I forget that like I was wrong. The kill bill movies are cool. I get the feeling if I had to rewatch death proof, I might like mm. it more this time. Uh, the reason I brought up Island of Dr. Moreau is because I mean, that was 96. So I was 14 and I really responded to it. However, if somebody had shown me Island of Lost Souls, um, which was uh, an adaptation of, of that of the book um, starring from the 30s, starring Charles Lawton and uh, Bella Lugosi as the sayer of the law. If someone had shown me that, surely, I, in spite of my love for that story, I, I probably would have been bored. And what's more, this is this is another thing that gets me is. As I've gone, as I've gotten older, certain performance choices make a little bit more sense to me, or I at least have an appreciation for them. And Charles Lawton in Island of Lost Souls is so gleefully, insanely evil. <laughs> but he, and you know what? He seems to be channeling. Um, and I feel like I is this in the in the Criterion Special Features? I don't recall when was uh when was oscar wilde uh around i don't know okay i mean he wasn't around then i don't know anyway but but somebody no idea but somebody (laughs) said that 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 the gleeful uh sadistic not not to imply that oscar wilde was sadistic but that um that that just the hedonistic element of the character of dr moreau that like Lawton seemed to be channeling Oscar Wilde. Um, and if I had seen, I mean, it's weird to watch now. It's delightful, but it's, and it's creepy, genuinely creepy. And it's, but it, it's strange now. And if I had seen that film, even though the story is, is similar, if I had watched that film when I was a kid, I would have been like, Oh, that's what? Um, but now that I, but now that I saw it when I, you know, as I've gotten older, that's it's one of my favorite films of all time. I think it's amazing, not merely because of that performance, but the movie in general is just so amazing. Um, and that's one that that was Kyle's pick at a at a movie night, and I, that one was on my radar. I knew I wanted to see it, and I I have become a Charles Lawton fan, but I just it just wasn't a high priority. Um, and then there it is, and I watch it, and I and I think like, where have you been all my life? But at the same time, just like I might not have been ready for you. <laughs> Uh, earlier in my life. Um, Oscar Wilde was born in uh, 1854 and died at the age of 46 in the year 1900. Oh, okay. All right. So, um, okay. So clearly it wasn't Charles Lawton. It might've been, might've been HG Wells who was uh, inspired by Oscar Wilde and some of the uh, things that he incorporated into uh, Moreau. Um, But, uh, and the last one that I will bring up. Yeah, we got to wrap up. Well, it's another movie night one, uh, and it's uh, The Wages of Fear. Which, Sorcerer, right? Was re- the remake? Yes. Um, and Wages of Fear is such a stressful movie. It is the one of the most suspenseful movies I've ever seen, 
you know, I mean, it's, and it's such a simple premise. It's a truck full of night of nitroglycerin driving down a bumpy road. Uh-huh. And it's so, and just every little, it, it's all, it almost becomes comical. The sheer number of obstacles they run across. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, but and it's so much it's so much fun, but you're just like white knuckling as the characters are the whole mm-hmm. time. Um, and that's one I didn't I didn't even know what it was about. Uh, and then someone's like, but I had heard Wages of Fear. I was like, oh, I've heard that's good. I guess we should watch that. And then we just we all threw it in somewhat casually. I think someone had seen it before, but I don't remember. Um, and all of us afterwards were just like. Well, I could use a nap, right? <laughs> but it was, but it was such a. That's one of my favorite movies now as well, and so it's. And I'm sure listeners, you know, uh, of course, I'll put a, put out a call for this. You know, uh, listeners, if you have run across a movie that you've watched, you know, kind of maybe later on in your in your life, not you know something that when you're old enough that you look back and it's like, why, oh, why did I not watch this sooner? Yeah. Knowing what it, you know, knowing how much I love it now. How, or, yeah. how is there ever a time when I hadn't seen this film? Yeah. Or like certainly there's a million of them. We could do a whole episode on this, but a movie, movies that you feel like you get more than other people, like even other, other people oh, yeah. like the movie, like uh, back, you mentioned previously on earlier, Sean and I used to talk about how, um, for all the praise it gets, The Sopranos is still an underrated show because <laughs> it's the greatest show of all time and no yeah. one like really, really ex- like appreciates just how amazing it is. Um, and I'm looking actually at your collection that made me think of it that I was in a class. I can't remember if you were in the class or watched Red Rock West. Were you in yeah. that same class? As uh, I was? No. Okay. No. Um, and like everyone liked it, but I wanted to be like, you guys – that movie was so cool. Yeah. And I think I probably went home and that's probably how you ended up seeing it, that I went home and went, this movie's so cool. Probably. Yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I know that's how you and I both are with, you know, I'll, I'll say it again, ravenous. Uh huh. It just, here's the thing. When you see it, you can't unsee it, which I recognize <laughs> is true of everything, but it's really true of ravenous. <laughs> like it doesn't go away when you watch it. It's fresh in your mind. I'm going to say until you die. Yeah. <laughs> and when you die, the music you hear will be the music from Ravenous. Yeah. Um, and so like, but that's one where, yeah, that's, you know what? We should save it for, for another episode, mm-hmm. but that's one where I just feel like nobody understands you Ravenous, <laughs> but I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. And I feel like even I don't completely, it is, yeah. it is an unknowable film, but I know it in so as much as it can be known. Um, I watched another movie. Um, we, we do have to wrap up, but another movie I watched this past weekend, it being Halloween time, I wanted to watch a horror movie. I watched the movie. It's going to be a long lead up here. A movie that I loved, 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 loved when it came out mm-hmm. and loved for years after that. And then didn't see for a while and started to allow other people's opinions of it to convince me that maybe I was too young. Maybe I should revisit it. Maybe it's not that great. Uh, watched it again and I was like, nope, I was right at the age of... Again, 18 or 19, whenever this came out. Uh, I guess I was almost 20 when it came out. This movie's awesome, and no one gets it, and that's M. Night Shyamalan Signs. Oh, I was on board with you. you know, okay, I, I'm glad you were, because I know a lot of people don't like, or they think it's, and maybe rightfully so, they think it's silly that, uh, you know, how much coincidence plays a part in the end of it, and it's like, you are not getting it. You are not kidding. Yeah. That is such a superficial read of this movie. There's yeah. so much more going on in this movie. And and it's terrifying to me. Uh, anyway, um, I love science. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Okay. We need to stop now. Yeah. So we can save this. Uh huh. Cause, uh, th- cause as you said, there's, there's several of them. And, and again, I'm sure the list, there are movies that I don't get that you do and vice versa. Um, well, you didn't get, uh, the kids are all right. That's an obvious one. I think maybe when you revisit it, you'll be like, wow, this is complete and utter shit. <laughs> Masked by good performances. And then there's also Avatar, which I love and you don't, but I'm kind of completely okay with. Like, yeah, and I, I'm thing, okay with the fact that like it it hit me in a different way. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I understand the things you like about it, and you understand the things I don't like about it. Like, right. that's, that's, a, that's a different thing, I think. Um, Hulk. I get Hulk and you, yeah, you must be do the not, only one. <laughs> you do not get Hulk. And apparently like no one else does. I apparently think, no one I'm else. I'm pretty sure you're the only person I've ever met who likes Ang Lee's Hulk. Ebert gave it three stars, okay. said it was okay. a, a superhero movie. Same. For adults. Same, same rating he gave Anaconda, right? No, he gave that three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you can find us at com. You can email us at david at com or tyler at com. You can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension. Follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official podcast of his other, sorry, the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. Anything uh, new going on there? Yeah. Uh, by the time this goes up, uh, oh, no, it's up now. Um, our latest episode features an actor named uh, Bill Oberst Jr., right. who is known primarily as a horror, a, a like B or C level horror icon. Like he's in a lot of very cheap horror movies. Mm-hmm. He was in uh, Abraham Lincoln versus Zombies. He played Abraham Lincoln, um, but he's been in a number of things. Um, he works like crazy. Uh, in the last five years, he has been in one hundred and two. Project. Some of them short films, some of them feature length. Uh-huh. Um, but he is g- definitely gaining a following in the horror world. So you would not assume that somebody like that is a very outspoken Christian. Uh, but he is. And uh, the episode might be, I'll be honest, uh, as much as I would like people to hear it, 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 a lot of time is spent on just Christianity. There's not a whole lot of talk about his career in movies. There's some. But if you're interested, uh, then go over to more than one, le- you know, head on over to more than one lesson dot com. It's a very interesting. He's an interesting guy who's remarkably humble and is very open about like not merely his faith, but also his career in general, because he does not have the career that he was intending, but it's the career he has. And he actually takes a great deal of joy in it. And so it's it was we recorded with it. We recorded with him earlier today, in fact, uh, and um, so it's still very fresh in my mind. And it was it was a lot of fun to talk to him. And he's just a really great guy. At some point, we, we may try and get him on on BP. OK. Uh, all right. So that's more, more than one lesson. Yeah. Um, more than one lesson dot <laughs> com. My other podcast is uh, the weekly television uh, podcast. Hey, watch this with Paul and David. This week, we'll be doing a Ryan Murphy double feature. Um, we'll be watching the um, third series premiere i guess of american horror story or the i guess the first episode of american horror story coven and we'll be watching the third episode of the fifth season of glee which is the one where they're addressing cory monteith's death Mm. in the off season um in the hiatus right off season is sports hiatus is tv right i think so that sounds right um so that you can find that and um yeah that's it thanks for listening we'll get you next time bye bye
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.